KYW Original Podcasts. This is the Flashpoint Podcast. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. We are walking you through the flames. This week, we talk racism. After President Donald Trump calls Baltimore a dangerous place, one of the worst in America. And the clapback is fast and fierce. This is yet again us having another conversation about how racist Trump is. But were his statements racist or was he right? Liberal policies have devastated Baltimore City. Use of the R word. When I say you're racist, that doesn't mean that you call people the N word. Have liberals gone too far? Then a Kensington woman who has reversed more than 150 overdoses. You can just be walking down the street and notice somebody's blue and unresponsive. Her impact on those in active addiction. All of this and more. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at DonorsOne.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The Focus is a recent rally where Trump supporters and Republicans fight back against allegations of racism. In recent days, President Donald Trump has lashed out against Congressman Elijah Cummings, who is leading an inquiry against his administration in the House. He called Cummings District of West Baltimore dangerous and filthy. He said it's one of the worst in the U.S. But the backlash has been swift with liberals calling the tweets racist. And this week at a rally, Trump supporters clapped back saying they are tired of being called racist for stating their opinions. And so we have to ask, are Trump's tweets racist or is he right? With me in the studio to discuss this flashpoint is Reverend William A. Bronner with Power. We also have Melissa DePino, co-founder of From Privilege to Progress. We have Charles Gallagher, he's a professor at LaSalle University, who is also an expert on race and ethnicity. And on the phone, we have Raynard Jackson, a conservative columnist and Republican political consultant. Everybody, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. Nice to be here. So let's dig in. Everybody should be very familiar with the president's recent tweets about Baltimore. Is it based in some fact and fair game since Congressman Cummings has been very critical of the president or is it racist? And, you know, Will, we'll start with you. I can't keep up with Trump and his racist tweets, racist ideologies, and how he used race to divide this country. What he said to Elijah Cummings was of no surprise. At the same time, this is yet again us having another conversation about how racist Trump is. This is not the first, and I'm sure it won't be the last, but more specifically to this tweet about about Baltimore being rat-infested and what a terrible job Elijah Cummings is doing, we have to first ask ourselves, why... Trump felt that he could get away with saying such drastic things to Elijah Cummings, though he knows that they are racist. And many of us know that they are racist, whether we want to admit them or not. He has gotten away with these things. And right now he is the voice for people who want to say things like that, but have not had the courage to do so. So the bigger issue for me is not what he said specifically to Elijah Cummings, because he said it to many people any day of the week. The bigger issue to me is what do we do about it now? Are we going to continue to talk about it? Or are we going to have some organizing and strategizing to get him out of yeah, office? And we see that Elijah Cummings is is leading that effort exactly. to do that. And so he's being critical. And so I want to get Raynard Jackson in here. You have any response to that? Some of these tweets, are they based in 
fact, or is this racist? Another racist attack. Cherry, thank you for having me on your show. But once again, here, black folks show that weak people take strong positions on weak issues. Was it racist when Bernie Sanders said almost word for word the same thing in 2015 with Pastor Jamal Bryant and other black leaders standing on stage with him? Was it racist when even the mayor admitted that they had their roads and things like that? Why all of a sudden black folks are focused on what Trump said versus the pathologies of what he was addressing. Baltimore has had a Democratic mayor for well over 50 consecutive years. Liberal policies have devastated Baltimore City. And the, what black folks want to talk about is Trump hurt their feelings. Black folks need to wake up and quit being so damn silly and deal with the issues of the pathologies going on in Baltimore that are self-inflicted. And I want to say, it's not just black folks that are saying that this is racist. And, and Melissa, I want to bring you in. We just had... You know, big controversy in Baltimore with the mayor having (laughs) resigned for allegedly accepting bribes. I mean, Baltimore has had some issues. Is it not fair? Okay, I'm that uh, liberal white lady that (laughs) that we're talking about. And what I'm saying is that, yes, there are some problems in Baltimore. I'm not going to deny that. But when you say do this whataboutism, like, but what about when this person said it? What about when this person said You're ignoring the bigger picture. And you're ignoring the fact that when there's a problem in a black neighborhood that the president and others are doing this thing where like, okay, this is this is like their fault. It's their fault that the neighborhood is like that. But when they talk about white neighborhoods that have problems, they talk about like they're victims. They're victims of the opioid crisis. They're victims of the economy. The issue is also that it comes from history. There's real reasons why neighborhoods like Baltimore begins with uh, FHA, redlining, et cetera, and on through. So why not solve the problem instead of just accusing the politicians of Creating the problem. Professor, jump in here, because if Bernie Sanders said the same thing or somebody else said it, would it not be racist? And is it more racist because Trump said it? Yeah. So if Bernie Sanders says something, it's racist. That's what it is. You should call it what it is. Here's the thing. This isn't a one off. There are so many data points that Trump has tweeted that just basically demonstrate his out and out racism. Basically, it's a strategy. It's a political strategy to be racially divisive. And to say about a city, to point out a city and not understand the historical context of why have some cities basically had problems. You have to look at white supremacy. You have to look at segregation, deindustrialization. Baltimore has been controlled by black merit, so black folks are passing racist policy against their own people? Is that what you're arguing? So what are you arguing? You're arguing that why? I'm arguing that liberalism is on trial in Baltimore, Ferguson, New York, Detroit, and liberalism, liberalism has been and Tell me anything that this president has done for black America. Black what has this president done in any real terms? Oh, for- well, the, uh, well, the tax cut we worked on in 2017 has precipitated the decline in the black unemployment rate. It had nothing to do. Uh, that is a lie. That's just uh, a bold-faced look, lie. Look, the fact is we have had how many evidence? evidence? We have had how many quarters of, of upward economic activity. That starts with Obama. Trump is just a free ride. It's a free ride. It's a free ride for Trump. The fact is it is just absolutely wrong for you to suggest the president isn't using race to divide America. It is a lie. I don't care if it's Muslims. Muslims are terrorists. Mexicans are rapists. Is that not racist? Is that not racist to say that Mexicans are rapists? I'm going to jump in here, and I'm going to jump in here because it's absurd. The, the momentum has been building just because people have labeled the president as racist. However, does that mean that everything he says is there, in fact, 
racist. But, Cherry, how can we have a discussion on race when no one has defined to me what racism is? I have no idea what they're talking about. When they say racist, no one's defined it. So let's define it. So you don't know what racism is? I do not. This know is rhetorical nonsense. Really? This is, come on. And, and how do you we, not we know what racism and, is? And we won't, you know, and it's I want to say. system of inequality. I don't want to say this because at the recent, um, the big issue here is, and, and we just did a story know, today, a Flashpoint Extra where a, a lot of people have been talking about the link of if you're a Trump supporter, people have been automatically labeling individuals as racist. And if they disagree with a certain policy, if, you know, they disagree with a liberal policy, for example, they're labeled racist and people feel attacked. Republicans generally feel attacked saying that just because they're Republican, they're being labeled racist because of their affiliation with Trump. Any response to that? Have we gone too far labeling everything racist and we we can never we can never go too far when we talk about race because race the the issue of race has not gone far enough. So many systems, so many practices are, have race embedded into them. The mass incarceration is embedded in race. School is uh, schools and the defunding of schools is embedded in race. We can't talk about race, race enough. Would you define what it could? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Tell me what race is. Well, then you should define take time. If you're talking all this about race and you don't know, then you shouldn't be talking about it. I mean, this is the kind of thing is that, Cherry, that... Yeah, it's a systematic dis- discrimination and oppression of someone based on okay, race. Okay, so explain to me how you could have a black man, black police chief, a black congressman, a black state attorney, black congressman, and you, you're still talking about racism, and black folks control every level of power. And explain it. Reconcile that for me. In a, in a racist system... It doesn't matter if you're white or black. If you are working oh, wow. in within a racist system, then you can help perpetuate it. Many overseers in the time of slavery were, in fact, slaves. Are we using this R word, though? Because one, on one hand, Republicans call liberals socialists. And that's the S word, right? Yeah. And on the other hand, everybody who is considered liberal were, are calling folks racist. Are we calling everything racist at this point? Well, here's the thing about the word racist. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a slur. What it is is a fact because our systems were built a certain way. They were built to uplift white men and they were built to push down people of color. So the system is racist. So when I say you're racist, that doesn't mean that you, you know, you call people the N-word or you do this or you do that. But when you participate in a system that was built to hold people down yeah. who aren't white, then it's racist. It's not an insult. The thing Trump has been doing from the beginning is talking to his white folks about this is your country. This is your country. I saw a quote in one of those one of the articles recently where one of the, his supporters at the rally last night said, I don't want her Muslim crap in my country when he was talking about Ilhan Omar. In my country, he is perpetuating that the country is for his white supporters. And what's going on, I think it's in the ways Trump is very smart about this, right? How is it possible that you can say these things aren't racist? And the, what the narrative that he's been able to construct, the narrative he has been able to construct is basically is that whites are now the victims. The average American believes the United States is 39% black, 26% Jewish, 33% Latino, 38% foreign born, 25% gay. Those numbers are so distorted. Much of white America lives in a delusional bubble and they're threatened. They feel they're being, there's a takeover. And he, yeah. 
That is what he's appealing to. People that feel they're on the margins. The fact is this is a white country run by white people. Look at wealth. Look at corporate America. Look at vice presidents or both. Look at judges. Look at any power structure. Guess who's at the top? Now, white women have gotten included to some extent last 20 years. But this is a white country that works for white people. And it is a fact. It's a quality of yeah. like indicator. So what yeah. this man is talking okay, about, so I don't Obama's know. Obama's a racist too, because Obama had two picks at the Supreme Court. Obama did not even interview a black woman, let alone nominate. So by your definition, yeah. Obama is a racist. That's yeah. what I said, and, and right? I just wanna, and I just want to kind of switch subjects here. The reason why I wanted to talk about this is because this issue has been coming up. We get we get t- tapped in media because every time we see somebody with a MAGA hat or are we over labeling people who support President Donald Trump as being racist? Is it overused to, to the point where it almost undermines the definition of the term and the use of the terms on issues and on systems that are actually racist? The answer is yes, and the reason that we're using it because weak people take strong positions on weak issues. As from this interview, not one person on Trump defines racism because they don't know how to define it, and so it's easier to yeah. cast. Read my book. Okay. <laughs> okay, you ready? To deal with the stuff that and I did define it, sir. I'm going group. to define it again. It's history plus institutions that create an imbalance of power. That's it. That's it. So That's Obama what racism is. History he and institutions. I think yeah. Obama was a one-off. And, I, and I do think that it, when when systems are racist um, and or systematically structured in a certain way to to benefit certain people and to um, oppress other people. It doesn't matter who's in charge unless you dismantle the systems, Reynard. I mean, that's... Okay, that's so and how do you explain basic, every quality of life? Exactly. Exactly. And, I, and so if we want to talk at it from, from that point of view, I, I mean, still, the answer is, have we been over-labeling it, though? Have we become too is, liberal yes. in the use? Yes. And, could you, and could you explain your argument? Liberals have no other way of justifying how they can run a city like Baltimore for over 50 years, Chicago has not had a Republican mayor in almost 80 years. They refuse to take responsibility for the policies they're advocating in Baltimore, Ferguson, Chicago. So what do you do? You deflect by throwing out all these men to other folks that had nothing to do with the governance of your city. That's the problem. And I want to ask you that because we've even seen among Democrats... People call Joe Biden like some of his policies racist. Yeah, but you know, again, and, and, this is a, I mean, it's a historical. Is it saying. becoming? I know, but is it becoming to a point where it's becoming less? I mean, it, it's just becoming less and less fruitful. Now, for you know, the thing is, it's, it's being term. called out more. Yeah, exactly. A lot yes. of these policies have been racist, but people have been scared to use the R word, honestly, until Trump came in office. But there was a lot of things throughout the history of America that have been founded and embedded in racist ideology. And Trump has brought that to the forefront with his divisive behavior. He has used racist tendencies and ideology to separate America. And because he has done that, he has used his base and they are now stronger and they're are now more powerful and because they have been so aggressive now people are fighting back with the quote-unquote r word but these things have been racist for since the beginning of america has been founded off of racism but now it is finally being called out let's talk about american cities why do they look the way they do why are they segregated and it starts as you said earlier it starts in 1950 with white flight we literally the the biggest give one of the biggest giveaways next to the gi bill was literally subsidizing white people to go out to the suburbs just so happens i live in lower marion twenty four thousand dollars per people 
per person where my daughters go to school. Just go over the border, right into Philadelphia at Overbrook, it's $13,000 a year. What does it reflect? A long history. What happened in the past has an effect today. The, the way our cities look now and the research they don't have reflect federal, city, and state policies yeah. that were thoroughly racist. And, 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 and that written and, about and over and over again. Schools were desegregated. And uh, whites a left. A lot of people left and, and, they, and there were some subsidies put there so that they didn't have to go to schools with black kids. We understand that. And Melissa, I want to drag you back into I'm the ready. discussion because <laughs> you co-founded From Privilege to Progress and one of the things you push is having white folks stand up and call things out. Is it making things better or is it going to get worse before it gets better? I grew up in a white suburban neighborhood. I was living in a bubble. We didn't learn the truth about this country ever in school. Mm. We didn't learn the truth. And then we grew up and we live in these segregated bubbles where we don't see what's happening. White people need to be educated. They need to learn what the history is that brought us to this point today. And once we learn, then we can be part of the solution. We can speak up. We can amplify the voices of people of color so that we can desegregate this conversation. The problem is with the term racist and racism, there is so much confusion about it. Racism is a system. It's history and institutions. When I call you a racist, I actually don't call people racist. I say you're advancing a racist narrative or you are perpetuating racism with what you're doing. But racism is a system. And when these people, whether it's Joe Biden, whether it's Bernie Sanders, whether it's Trump, when they do things that perpetuate that, yes, that's racist. They're acting in a racist way. But the system is the system and the system needs to be attacked from within. So Kirk Smoke was ignorant. Elijah Cummings was ignorant. Pugh was ignorant. Uh, Rawlings was ignorant. They were mayor and congressman of this town. You tell me they propagated racist policy, and therefore black folks are uh, devastated in Baltimore, Chicago. So you all are saying black folks are ignorant and incompetent. For you to say that black folks need to understand history, so we're done now on top of all the other I, things, right? And, and Raynard, I think with their, the systems were set up to be racist, meaning to You're oppress You're mayor of groups. a city, Cherry. Come on. You're governor of a state. You're president of the United States. And you're going to blame it on race? Come on. That's insane. So how do you explain every single quality of life indicator, infant mortality rates, right? Maternal birth. It doesn't matter if you're talking about infants dying, if you're talking about wealth, if you're talking about ownership of housing, all these things break right ways. And guess what? They all break for white people. Is that an accident? I don't care. So okay, who's, who's likely to, to die? How, who's more likely to die in childbirth? Black kids. Okay. okay how do you explain that? How 75 percent of the NFL are black players over 60 uh, percent of the and, NBA and, are black and, players. And I'm going to switch. Explain I'm going to switch gears again because I want to ask because <laughs> ever since President Donald Trump has come into office, we've used this R word and people have called him out and out racist, large part because he supported by a lot of people who are self-proclaimed racist. And that so was intentional. Is this, yeah. is yes. this uptick and the momentum the billing where we're calling people out, call, using the R word, inflaming each other, using this, is this simply the consequence of Trump's own action? D- Donald Trump has given license for white people to say what was in their hearts. Exactly. He didn't, he didn't make up this. Yeah. He didn't bring yeah. people. People had, yeah. I found a voice. Someone yeah. is validating my beliefs. And part of this, too, is that that a lot of white people believe there is no such thing any longer as white privilege. It's a way. Yeah. So when you start saying, I'm not racist, I work for everything I got. They have no understanding about how the unions have worked historically or who got jobs in the mills. They have no idea that if you're middle class today, there is someone white in your background that got privileges. Now, 
this is, I mean, again, this is a fact. In yeah. Philadelphia, when, when did whites become cops? When were they allowed to be on the force? Right. Who was allowed to be in unions, right? You, yeah. I'm fourth generation Philadelphian. I grew up in a row house. I know how it works. You get a city job, it's up and out. Guess who those jobs were monopolized by? White folks. This is why whites have more housing now. They have more assets. So the, the fact the only thing you can point at is the NBA as an example is pretty sad. And it's extreme. Okay, how how in the world my grandfather, the first black mayor of Atlanta, Maynard Jackson, how in the heck can you explain when he was mayor, he was able to break the shackles of this racism and segregation to make sure black contractors... Well, it's so funny, it's so funny you say that, because I taught for 11 years at Georgia State University. I know all about that. What he did, he created more black millionaires because you know what he did? He gave black folks... The contracts that white people always got. He did it because what? It was government given. Who, right. who gets so the milk why, contract why, for the prisons? Why, why, who why builds the railroads? Baltimore do this? Why couldn't Obama do that as president? So I don't want to hear this argument about the system is set the up. The president doesn't do that. Maybe That's Jackson, an executive my action. My father proved you could do it. So these other marriage uh, politicians, and, they're an embarrassment. Uh, they have no understanding of how to navigate the halls of power. So Reynard is saying that because these cities, the very city that President Donald Trump has criticized, parts of Baltimore, but not all of it, of course, is the city of Baltimore. Some of it is the rich suburbs, which I have family members living there. Why is it that these black leaders of this area, like Elijah Cummings, why haven't they been able, after decades of being in charge, have been able to make some of the same strides forward for African-American communities that were made in Atlanta. And I lived in Atlanta for five years. So, Black folks got money down yeah. there. So what we do not want to do is give politicians a, a pass because many of our politicians, and whether they be white. is a fair white- criticism of Cummings and the leaders there that more change, more more uh, progress hasn't been made. That That is a fair criticism. However, the way in which Donald Trump has criticized is absolutely and positively racist. There is way more things Donald Trump could have said, yeah. way more things Donald Trump could have done. But what was it, did, is it Elijah? Was it his race that caused those problems? Because that's what he's suggesting. Yes. That's absurd. But, but, okay, but it's really the state The criticism of some of the leadership in Baltimore is fair, but because Trump said it and because he has a, a history of being Having racist things, it is racist. Let, let, let's, let's, let's be clear. Black politicians don't all get a pass just because they're black. You don't get a pass because you're in a leadership position and you're black. I even have some issues with Obama, but let's be clear about it all. Politicians are not always on the side of yeah. black people either because they serve a white supremacist government. So when they're in a position of oh, power, crap. they can... Oh, that is not, how is that? Not, let me explain something to you, sir. The only reason that we have a Donald Trump right now is because we just got off the back of a Barack Obama. Right. That Barack That's Obama right. presidency feared and... All these white people who are now so fa- it, no, Obama it devastated, it devastated poor, ignorant white people because they thought that their power was now being taken away from them when they didn't really have any power in the first place. So if you did yeah. not have a Barack Obama, you would not have your Donald Trump. Exactly, and then it was stoked by Donald Trump with everything. Your type of thinking is the most dangerous thinking in the black No, sir, your type of thinking you hate. And y'all know. Y'all getting hype. <laughs> Y'all getting hype. And because this is Flashpoint, we do have to wrap this up. But I want to say, I mean, um, is it going to get worse? We talked about this a little bit. I mean, people are throwing the R word on one side. They're throwing the S word on the other side. How do we we got this 2020 election coming up? It's going to get we, worse. It's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse for this yes. reason, because this works for this pocket, for the base this is the bit. This is what they want to hear. Exactly. The, the whole, the other. Who is the other? Everyone is an other if they're not white. That's yeah. the. So if you're a Muslim, if you're gay, if you're brown, if you're black, 
you will be targeted by Donald Trump because that's how he's going to win. So how do we bring it back? And I want us to wrap this up. Melissa. What, what we do is we we get everyone, including white people, to educate themselves about the systems that are in place so that they can help dismantle them. And that begins with desegregating your life, learning with with understanding why this country was built this way and why things are the way they are. Understanding that it is policy that needs to change. I don't care if it's a white person in office or a black person in office if policy does not change. The issues are the policies that have been created by a white supremacist government. So it doesn't matter what the face is as long as the system is still in place. The structure needs to change. Reynard, what you got? It's all about the devastating impact of liberal policies on inner city communities and, again, Weak people, as this phone call indicated, weak people make strong positions on weak issues. Third time they don't want to deal with the, the deficiencies of liberalism. They want to blame the man. Why? So social security it's was a bad idea, too. Liberal liberal. So you, you all disagree that this country was built for white people? All right, y'all. How do you and, disagree and, with and that? This, this was definitely a flashpoint. I want to say thank you so much to Reverend William Bronner. Thank you to Melissa DePino. Thank you to Charles Gallagher. And thank you to Raynard Jackson for coming on Flashpoint about this issue in the news. Next up, she's reversed over 150 opioid overdoses. I think it's just kind of instilled in me now to show compassion. How she copes her impact and her issues with exposing those in active addiction. We'll be right back. Hey guys, listen up. When you're done with the show, would you do me a favor? Please provide a review and rate this podcast and feel free to provide feedback often. We need reviews to push us to the top. Now back to the show. Thanks all. This is Flashpoint, where we talk about the issues that get everyone hot and bothered. I'm your host, Cherry Gregg. And one thing that gets Philly residents hot under the collar is overdose deaths. And last month, Flashpoint highlighted a man making headlines for posting graphic images of opioid addiction on Instagram. His name is Kensington Beach. He said his goal was to raise awareness. But Roz Pichardo, a Kensington resident who has reversed more than 150 overdoses, she had strong objections. She reached out to me, and now she's here in the KYW studio to talk about why. Roz, welcome back to Flashpoint. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And for those who have not, you may remember Roz because she was on our gun violence panel as a victim of gun violence. And then you sent me this article. You have single-handedly reversed 156 overdose deaths. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the life of a resident in Kensington a lot of times. You know, you could chose to be proactive or you can turn a blind eye and pretend it doesn't exist. And for me, I, I have to um, save my people, save my community as, as best that, that I know how, and that's being Narcan trained. What is that like? Because we saw these images of individuals in various stages of intoxication, but a lot of people do overdose on this and it's quick. You have to be quick. How are you able, what is it like going through the process? Walk us through it. So normally someone would come to wherever, wherever we're located um, and ask for Narcan. Or you can just be walking down the street and notice somebody's blue, purple, gray on the lips and unresponsive. We have to act very quickly because we don't know how long they were down and how long they were lacking oxygen to their brain. So we have to be very quick when we administer Narcan. And so you literally walk around with a pack? I do. And what's in that pack? Oh, my Fanny pack, I carry Narcan, three doses, a tourniquet for gunshot victims, and a face shield to provide rescue breaths. In case you have to do CPR, you can put that on their face so you can go but do mouth-to-mouth. we don't do mouth. CPR. We do, we do um, sternum rubs, which oh. is, um, causes the pain. 
But CPR is not necessary most of the time because their heart is beating. It's just their respiratory that's that's affected. So they're literally just not breathing and yes. you just have to breathe for them a little bit. Yes. And so why do you do what you do? As a survivor, I think I have compassion and empathy for those who are suffering and who hurt. So I think as um, a person who's been through a lot of trauma, I think it's just kind of instilled in me now to show compassion. But not only that, I mean, there are the people of my community that are now part of my community because a lot of them are not from my community, but they live there now. Homeless or not, they still live there. Um, a lot of folks that come through who are in active addiction um, normally comes from Delco, Montgomery County, and now are residents of Kensington because they are stuck and they're living on the streets with nowhere to go. And you call them sunshines. Why? I do. It's just something that was um, sweet and not the word addict and not the word junkie and not these negative things that people call folks in active addiction. Um, I think there's a negative stigma around the word junkie and addicts and things like that. So um, you kind of soften up the the folks that are suffering. The response can be a little bit more endearing and re- responsive to us as workers, as people who serve Kensington or people who serve those in active addiction. They don't have their guard up. They're more open to discuss what happened, how that happened, how can we get you help. I'm opposed to somebody already labeling them. You know me. And we run into each other when I cover various issues. And when I did this story on Kensington Beach. He's li- he's a Kensington resident who is in recovery. And he's posted these videos of individuals in active intoxication. They're in an active high. Your reaction to those videos? I think they're disgusting. And they're disgusting on so many different levels. I think um, he doesn't realize that... Um, that can be the last image a mother sees of her child. We don't know whether that person's going to overdose the day after he took that video, that photo. Um, I think there's no reason to exploit people who are already suffering. If you look up Kensington, people already know what's happening in Kensington. You walk through Kensington, people know what's happening. He's a resident. He should know. Yeah. So what is he trying to exploit? He says it's about awareness, and he showed me specific messaging back and forth from people who saw themselves and got into recovery because they didn't know that that's what they were doing or that's what it looked like. And that's cool, right? That's cool for him, you know. But for that person in recovery. Yeah. Does it have to be where he has to exploit them to the world? I mean, people know what's happening in Kensington. Do people, though? Yeah, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. And maybe I know. But there's a lot of people who don't know or they don't know what active intoxication looks like. People have... Absolutely no idea. Even parents who have children who are um, going in the throes of active addiction, as you called it, have no idea what their kids are out there doing or what it looks like. He also said that there were kids who saw this who said they would never use because they saw this. Let's talk about let's talk about gun violence. Right. Yeah. You know, it kills people. Guns kill people. Do you see people going around putting guns in people's hands and shooting people's head off and recording it? No. Like, why show such graphic images? It's, it's pointless. I mean, all you have to do is walk down Kensington and you see exactly what's happening. For me, if he's really about bringing awareness, why is he not bringing resources? Why is he not talking to folks? It's okay to be, be behind the telephone or, or computer and, and tap some messages. Mm-hmm. But are you really making awareness? Are you really making a difference? Are you bringing resources to those who are suffering? Are you being compassionate? When you're hovering over somebody, recording their last breath, that's not compassion. It's disgusting to me. Yeah. You know, and and in in his defense, he says he's never recorded someone who was overdosing. 
that, that he knew true. of. That's what he that's what he claims. That is that's absolutely not true. Mm-hmm. After you and I had this discussion, I have film, um, actually a um, um, picture of him recording me reversing someone and a, a gentleman, a, the Uber driver that I was with, who we happened to see overdosing, and I jumped out of the Uber. And I said, this person's overdosing. And well, he did say he did. He does post reversals. He does post reversals. Yes. Yeah. So he recorded it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I took a screenshot of, of, of the video. I'm like, you don't, that's not okay to do. Mm-hmm. That's not okay recording somebody's possible last moments of life. That's not okay to do. You know, nobody wants to see their son or their daughter dying. That's not, you know, it's been plenty of times where, um, you know, I've stood over my own family member and reversed them quite a few times. And I just can't, you know, I don't go around and say, oh, telling my auntie how he was this. And, and he was, you know, I try to, to stay away from the, you know, saying, yeah. saying those things to her, you know, because I don't want her to think this is what he looked like when he died. Yeah. And thank God he didn't. But I also have family members who didn't make it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, you know, I can't imagine um, what a mother, as a mother, um, how I would feel if, if that would happen to my boy. You know, I talked about in the article how, um, how it easily could have been my son while reversing a high schooler, you know, and how when he woke up and was really wanting his mom, you know, it's like, do we want that out there? Do we want people to see the last moments of somebody's life like that? You know, people in active addiction wasn't always in active addiction. These are um, mothers, fathers, doctors, lawyers, police, plumbers, electricians. These people have lives outside of their addiction. Yeah. And along the way, something happened. But it's not up to us to exploit them and, and hurt them even more. I mean, they're already suffering. What else? Yeah. How much more suffering do we want to put a person through by having their image? I mean, say that person went into recovery. That boss is not going to see their recovery. They're going to see that image of yeah. them underneath the L shooting up or overdosing or high. You know, that's not a legacy that we want someone to have. And that, and, that, and that is a hard point because but he does, he said he claims he removes them if you ask. He said that. But I and we'll let that go because there are differing there are differing points of view on this. Um, but I wanted to you to know that I respect that the point of view that you have, just like I respect his point of view. And it's a debate. I, I don't yeah. control whether or not he posts or doesn't post. But I do. And I also respect the fact that you are out there, you know, on the front lines, working with people uh, in active addiction and saving lives. I think it would save us a lot, a lot of, um, as a resident, a lot of, a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. I mean, a lot of people are opposed to the, the, the uh, overdose prevention sites, and I mm-hmm. think that um, people need to under, understand the concept. It's not only like the safe injection sites. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's not about um, shooting up, or mm-hmm. it's about service, right? So there's so many things that were illegal in this country. Um, and and now are legal. Yeah. What's the what's what's the harm of somebody who's already going to use? Right. They're already going to use until they're ready to get to get help or until they're ready to go into recovery. 
So prostitution, that was mm-hmm. illegal in, in, in some states. Now it's legal. I mean, people are going to use if they want to use. But meanwhile, you know, we have to educate uh, folks on how to use safely. Make sure you, you have clean syringes. Reduce the amount of H- um, HIV, Hep C, Hep A that are that's spreading rampant through Kensington. I mean, there's so many different preventative things that we can do with yeah. the OPS sites in, in Philly. I mean, not only Kensington. I mean, South Philly is is on a rise of o- I, overdose. I read about that, yeah. I mean, overdose, yeah, overdose um, deaths. Deaths and mm-hmm. um, so is West Philly. So it's everywhere. Yeah. What makes it so scary about South Philly is that um, they do it behind closed doors and they normally do it alone, which means the death rate is going to be higher because... Um, they don't want people to know they're using. I feel really strongly about um, what the overdose prevention sites would do and how it would help the people who are suffering from active addiction, and it would provide more service. Probably one of the reasons why people are so out in the open in Kensington is because being, you know, and, and I've heard people say this, by hiding in dark places, when you OD, there's no one who can see you and can help you. That's right. And it's been plenty of times where people know um, where I work. It's a safe space. Um, we're not a hospital. We're we're an art studio. We provide a place of, of healing, safe space, chill, watch movies, things like that, and almost like a drop-in center. And people will ride up in cars and drop people off who are overdosing. Like they will roll people out of their car. Now, if we had an, an OPS site, um, overdose prevention site, I think, that would lessen the impact that it's having on us as residents and as crisis responders who are not doctors. You know, one of the reasons why I did this story, because I think there's a lot of people who actively cut Kensington out of their minds. People who don't live there, they do not care. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. They do not care. They do not have to see that. And I don't even think they have any real idea of what's going on. And that's why when Dr. Oz did that story, it was like, they were like, what? This is happening? And it was crazy. Like most people live in La La Land mm-hmm. and they live in it, you know, living in their yeah. little bubble. I mean, yeah. seriously. And so sometimes this type of stuff bursts the bubble that people mm-hmm. live in. People people thought, oh, you know, the city went over there. They cleaned up the, the tracks. They cleaned out the tunnels. It's fine. It's fine. That's I'm telling you, like people mm-hmm. think that. And then you see this and you're like, well, this is somebody's porch. If that was my porch, it was my how porch. would I feel? It was your porch. But people, you think people know, but people literally, part of my job is to burst through people's bubbles because people live in these buzzle, bubbles, Roz. They do. They live yeah. in, and I get, in Mount you know, Airy. And I get it. And they got the nice porch mm-hmm. and they out there with the, flowers with, the and yeah, with the flowers and plants and they're drinking, sipping some tea with some, some vodka in it. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's I, what you know, I hear, I hear the, your point of view, but I think there's a way to do it that's respectful to yeah. to the people. I mean, um, did, and without because I mean, at this you at, can blur you people's can blur faces. faces. There's a way to keep mm-hmm. people's privacy, and that's I agree. Right. We had you on a show as a victim of gun violence. You had someone close to you be murdered, and you help victims of gun violence. You reverse overdose deaths and live in a community. First of all, she's yes. beautiful. Thank so you. she, you know, how mm-hmm. are you able to? To stay healthy and to stay active and, and sane after seeing and experiencing so many things. I have an amazing support team. You know, I have an amazing support system who they don't mind checking me like you need to take a break. Or there's times where yeah. I, well, I know now that in between each overdoses, 
I need to take 20 minutes to process this. Yeah. Process what just happened and let the let whatever emotion happened happen. Um, even with, you know, sitting on the couch with a mother who's been affected, you know, um, once I'm done with that mom, I need to take time, 20 minutes, process this in a, in a quiet place, process it and, and allow it to allow yourself to internalize it and feel what you're feeling and, and then go from there. Um, and sometimes I do need to step out of the city and not hear the L and not hear sirens. And cause sometimes it can be triggering and, um, it's not always a good day though. Yeah. Know? It's not always a good day. There may be times where I have to reverse four overdoses in one day. So it can be a bit emotional, you know. Um, well, I mean, you out. did 50 since it's April. April. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of overdoses. Yeah. As we close this out, I just, you know, what is your advice? I mean, we're we are dealing with this epidemic. It seems like the numbers are going down in Kensington, but you just mentioned, I mean, we just read they're popping. They're getting higher in other sections of the city. What can we do? I think we just need to meet people exactly where they are in life. Not try to change anybody, but offer services. The one thing that people don't understand is when you're when you're aggressive towards a person who is trying to find their way back into society. If we're aggressive, they're gonna they're gonna put their guard up. They're gonna they're gonna get away from you. They don't want somebody barking at them. Offer something. Meet them exactly where they are. And at the moment, if they need something, food, snacks, just a place to chill, some AC, we provide that. Meet them exactly where they are in their life until they're ready to get treatment. Yeah. Well, with that, I want to say, Ross Pachardo, thank you so much for coming on Flashpoint. Where can people follow you or, you know, keep in contact with you or support you, donate to whatever organizations you're members of to keep you going? Um, Well, they can look me up on social media, um, Facebook Operation Saver City, Instagram Operation Saver City, Twitter, Rosalind Pichardo. Ros Pichardo, thank you so much for being on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news. Next up, an Islamic group that is working to help those in need. It's a means to identify ourselves as a part of greater American society. Their impact locally and around the world. We'll be right back. When there's no closure to the mystery and the sorrow, Gone Cold is KYW News Radio's true crime podcast about unsolved cases in the Philadelphia area. Someone has to know what happened and who did this. We searched the wooded area, we searched dumpsters. Someone's life ended tonight. It's the most important thing you can investigate as a police officer. Who has the clue that unlocks the truth? Search for Gone Cold KYW in the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. Be sure to check out the Flashpoint podcast by downloading the Radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you gotta do is search Flashpoint KYW. And we here at KYW, we are all about community, and one faith-based organization is working to provide compassion, service, and to alleviate human suffering. They offer year-round services, including health clinics that are free. They also offer hunger prevention, and right now, a back-to-school drive. Here to tell us more about ICNA Relief is Outreach Coordinator Razine Karu. Welcome to Flashpoint, Razine. Thank you so much for having me. So for folks who've never heard of ICNA Relief, what is it? ICNA stands for the Islamic Circle of North America. It's an umbrella organization that is composed of a lot of uh, Muslim organizations all across the U.S. and Canada. 
we do hunger prevention projects uh, we do disaster relief in uh, partnership with fema as well as other organizations like red cross uh, in southern states when we have storms we run 18 uh, women transitional homes all across the us we have eight free health clinics we also have four mobile clinics in large vans that can be taken anywhere for uh, health fairs and we also do back to school programs after uh, the crisis in the middle east we also started doing refugee resettlement whoever came to the state of pennsylvania so we have a lot of programs going on at our charity Yeah, very, very busy. And uh, I got introduced to ICNA Relief when you all opened up a free health clinic in Northeast Philadelphia. Tell us about that. It's on 7439 Frankfurt Avenue. Be sure to check it out. It's open uh, every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We provide free health services for the uninsured. And it's open also on Wednesdays, 10 to 2, where we provide counseling uh, and social services and very soon we are trying to add like an essential pantry uh, service also to the clinic where people can access that we have uh, female hygiene products we have baby uh, food and other products over there so there's, there's a lot going on up uh, there in on northeast philadelphia yeah and it's a place that's run by people of islamic faith but this is for everybody absolutely so all our uh, services uh, are uh, accessed by uh, every american uh, even even if you are not an american citizen all people we don't don't turn down anyone and there everyone comes to our services places and uh, they leave back happy yeah uh, let me talk just about like the back to school uh, uh, program uh, beginning because i'm i'm uh, running uh, this in philadelphia we see one of the biggest obstacles and hindrances for a child is not having enough supplies and book bags and like all that you need to succeed uh, in your classroom so we are there uh, we are partnered with uh, local churches synagogues other community organizations local politicians to provide supplies and book bags uh, to all the kids so that uh, they can excel uh, in their school and you guys use a lot of volunteers yeah a lot of volunteers yeah absolutely it's it's not thus uh, donations it's it's a lot of like you know boots on ground if a lot of uh, young people a lot of moms a lot of older people everyone people from all different age groups people from all different ethnicities uh, skin color and faith who volunteered at our uh, organization yeah because when i went to the health clinic it was vo- doctors volunteering their time absolutely yeah we have volunteer doctors on saturdays volunteer nurses as well as a lot of medical students uh, in the city from temple university jefferson who uh, volunteer their time over there for them it's a valuable experience also uh, mm. for patient contact and for us uh, it's a means to give back uh, a lot of these doctors have very flourishing practice uh, during the weekdays and we really appreciate uh, their time when they do come on saturdays and so what do you want people to know about icna relief oh we want everyone to access our services if you are somebody who is not insured Please come to our clinic. The clinic is called Shams Clinic. Uh, it's an acronym: Social Health and Medical Services. And uh, we have a website: shamsclinic.org. If you want to sign up for an appointment for our Saturday health checkup or Wednesday counseling services, uh, please go on our website and sign up for an appointment. You could also come to just visit the clinic and see uh, how it is. Like I'll be really happy to show you around and maybe then uh, uh, you can tell other people and like you know let's amplify this. Let Everyone know if that if you don't have an insurance, we got you. Yeah, you got them. And so w- can people donate for this backpack drive or take give donations? Absolutely. Uh if you go on our website uh, icnarelief.org, we have a link for back to school. You can donate there online. 
you could uh, donate through like check and cash at our events also you could donate it through our facebook page uh, i say in a relief and what you could donate the most is your valuable time uh, you could just come at the event to volunteer help us like uh, arrange the bags uh, hand out water bottles and uh, yeah that would be also appreciated yeah and what does this do for you personally to be able to give back in this way for us uh, uh, it's a it's a means to uh, identify ourselves as a part of the greater american society like we always say like in the muslim community in the us and in canada there's no problem that is like a muslim problem like you know it's an american problem kids not having enough uh, supplies and book bags to go to school like every, we see that in every community all across the us that we have this issue so we are trying to address this issue as well as other social and health issues by giving our focus on it and so you all i understand will be giving away a thousand backpacks with school supplies in pennsylvania in pennsylvania yeah we already gave out uh, 250 of them last uh, saturday in philadelphia we did it at the homesburg recreation center in partnership with councilman bobby heenan's office Uh, it was a great event and yeah we'll, I'm really excited about the Harrisburg event as well as two events in Pittsburgh uh, on the 17th. Yeah, and so then this is also nationwide because total 50,000 backpacks will be distributed. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so on 27th we had the mega event so we covered all the bigger what we can say like tier 1 cities like New York, Baltimore, Detroit, Atlanta and now we are slowly going towards the smaller cities and we're going to continue this until uh, the first week of September. Wonderful. And so um give us your website once again. Uh, our website is www.icnarelief.org and for the local uh, health clinic it's www.shamsshamsclinic.org. Wonderful. So thank you so much to uh Razine Karu. We appreciate you coming in on Flashpoint and talking about this important issue in the news. Thank you so much. That's it for the Flashpoint podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Greg. Flashpoint is executive produced by me, Cherry Greg, with the help of associate producer Charlotte Reese. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. To quote the late Muhammad Ali, hating people because of their color is wrong, and it doesn't matter which color does the hating. I'm your host Cherry Greg until next week. Thanks for listening.